Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. A blessed and happy Easter Sunday to you. We're recording on April 17th, 2022. Got the year right this time. Yesterday I said 2021 for some reason. So I got out of the time machine and I'm back in the year 2022. The following is from SSPXAsia.com, Sermon of His Excellency, Archbishop Marcel Lefebvre, Easter, 10th of April, 1977, Cone, Switzerland. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. My dear friends, my dear brethren, during the days preceding the Feast of Easter, it was not without emotion that we followed our Lord Jesus Christ. We followed him at the Last Supper when he ordained his apostles and made them priests for eternity. We followed him in the Garden of Olives. We followed him on the way to Calvary. As St. Augustine said in one of the lessons, which we read during these holy days, our Lord presented himself during these days as a man. It was a true man who sweated blood. It was a true man who was scourged. It was man who was presented to the Jews. Ecce homo, behold the man. It was also a man who was crucified, whose heart was pierced. Thus those who crucified him were sneering in front of the cross where he was hanging, saying, If thou art the Son of God, come down from the cross, and we shall believe in thee. O wretched men! They were supposed to know the scriptures. They should have known that when the Messiah would come, he would be crucified. All this had been foretold in the scriptures, that his heart would be pierced, that he would shed his blood for the remission of sins, and that three days later he would rise again, and that he would rise again by his own power, by his almighty power. As our Lord said, I lay down my life woefully, and I shall take it up again. After these days, during which many of his disciples and apostles abandoned him, were frightened, behold, suddenly he manifested his divinity more brightly than lightning. It was with all his splendor that our Lord came out of the tomb, so much so that the guards were knocked down by the splendor coming out of the tomb, the body of our Lord more brilliant than the sun. Oh, how would we have liked to be present at this event? how we would have liked to be able to follow with our eyes what those who were close to our Lord at that time were able to see. But now, in the face of this event, unique in the whole history of mankind, we must make a choice. Either we believe that a man, God, has risen from the dead and therefore has established his divinity, or we refuse it. Well, my dear brethren, we have made our choice. We have proclaimed it during the Easter Vigil, when we renewed the vows of our baptism. We were asked, Do you believe in Jesus Christ our Lord, who is risen and ascended into heaven? We believe. We have consciously and freely reasserted what our godparents said on the day of our baptism. But did we realize that this profession of faith, which we have renewed during this vigil, binds us? as it bound us on the day of our baptism, and that it has very serious consequences, very important ones? Indeed, 
If we believe that our Lord Jesus Christ is Almighty God, he by whom all things were made, who rose from the dead on Easter morning, then we must follow him. We must obey him, as the Jews did when the apostles reminded them that they had crucified our Lord, and the Jews asked, What shall we do? What shall we do? The apostles answered, Do penance and be baptized, every one of you. Acts 2, 37 and 38. To do penance and receive baptism. Yes, indeed. From now on, not a single man, not a single soul on earth can be saved, can go to heaven, can attain the goal for which he has been created without receiving the Catholic baptism. This is logical. It is necessary that baptism produces holy grace, that baptism gives grace. What is grace? Grace is nothing other than the very participation in the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his divine nature. Through baptism, we become partakers in the nature of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his divine nature. We need to belong to him by grace in order to enter heaven. Without our Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. He is the only mediator between heaven and earth. The only mediator. We cannot perform a single meritorious act if we are not with our Lord Jesus Christ. Such are the consequences of the resurrection. There is only one man who can say that he rose through his own power, that he laid down his life and took it up again. There is only the author of life and of death who is capable of saying such a thing, God himself. Thus, if it is truly God who rose again, men cannot be indifferent to the coming of God among them, telling them, you can do nothing without me. John 15.5 If we glance back on the history of these 20 centuries, which have elapsed since the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are obliged to acknowledge that mankind is divided. There are those who believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, and there are those who do not believe. Our Lord himself told us, He who is not with me is against me. Yes, indeed. Because we have the duty to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, a strict duty. The fulfillment of this duty gives us eternal life, and to disregard it deprives us of it forever. Now, we see that throughout history it is precisely around the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ and on the subject of the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ on which men were divided. From the beginning of the Christian era, the errors of Annas, of Nestorius, of Eutyches, of Pelagius, were all about our Lord Jesus Christ. Either they presented him as God only, denying his humanity, or they reduce him to a mere man. Excuse me, that was a, an error. It's Arius, not Annas. They want to divide our Lord Jesus Christ and always in order to escape his law, to disobey him, to be freed from our Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we believe that our Lord Jesus Christ is God, then we must obey his law, the Decalogue, which he gave us. We must keep the faith and profess the creed. We must obey the church that he has instituted and through which he gave us the holy sacrifice of the mass and the sacraments. We are bound by all this. And we can see that after all these heresies at the beginning of Christianity, 
the war against our Lord Jesus Christ increased under the pretext of humanism at the time of the Renaissance, which led to Protestantism, which claimed freedom from the Christian religion through private interpretation of Holy Scripture, each one being allowed to think what he deems true when he reads Holy Scripture, being, quote, free from the Holy Church of God. As time passed, we see that men wanted all the more to be separated from our Lord Jesus Christ until the moment when it became something normal that societies and families were no longer Christian. They no longer accepted our Lord Jesus Christ. The civil society especially was no longer Christian and no longer obedient to our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet, all is in his hands. Nothing shall escape our Lord Jesus Christ when he shall come on Judgment Day, neither princes nor kings, nor emperors, nor any ruler of the nations of our time and of this earth shall escape our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we ought to restore the esteem for the submission which we must have to our Lord Jesus Christ. He must reign in us, in our persons, and in our souls, in our wills. He is king. He is our king, because he won his kingdom by his cross and his resurrection. He is king of our families. He has created parents and children. In our cities, too, our civil societies have been created by our Lord. All societies have been created by our Lord. If then civil societies are creatures of God, just as families are creatures of God, then they owe obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what do we hear today? Particularly since the last council, they precisely want to make civil societies free of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. They want to give the same esteem to all religions. They thus put on the same footing the authors of all different religions. That we cannot do. Because only our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He alone is God. We must do all we can to bring our faith to those who do not believe. If we truly believe that our Lord Jesus Christ is God, then we ought to preach him everywhere and to establish his reign everywhere. We must be missionaries. They say, it is not possible in our times. We know that the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ is never perfect on earth, but we ought to strive for it. It is the same for holiness. We shall probably not all be able to become saints. We still have some defects in us some tendencies towards sin. Yet is this a valid reason not to strive for holiness? It is not because we have difficulties in reaching sanctification that we may say that it is useless to seek it. The case is the same here. In this world, even if we have great difficulties in establishing the reign of our Lord in our societies, it is not a valid reason to not seek his kingdom. Salvation of souls is at stake. Souls are being lost because of all the scandals of the world. One may wonder, where is the world today? They tell us, Protestants are separated brethren. They tell Catholics, you can now be a member of the Freemasons. It is no longer forbidden. The excommunication is lifted. You can have in your churches some chapels for Buddhists or Muslims, because these people have a right to their religion and to practice their religion as they wish. But where is the world today? If our Lord was still here, what would he say? Would he no longer say these words? 
The world hates me, and the world shall hate you because you love me and you believe in me. Where is this world? Does it exist no longer? It has never been so much in existence as today. Never did Satan have so much influence in our world as today. And all this influence is contrary to our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we must maintain our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We shall conclude by saying that we must remain faithful. Fidelity must be the mark of the true Catholic. Do they not call us the faithful? We are faithful. And being faithful, then we must truly practice the virtue of fidelity. What is fidelity if not to keep our promises, to keep our faith in what has been taught in the past? Fidelity encompasses the past in itself. There can be no fidelity without something said or agreed upon. One is faithful to his word and faithful to his faith. We want to be faithful to our faith, to the faith of all times. No one can change our faith. We believe that today, as well as in the time of our Lord, as well as for the 2,000 years in between. Satan and the world are enraged against our Lord Jesus Christ, against all those who believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we see this within the church herself, not only outside the church, in the very bosom of the church. They want to limit the reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. They do not want our Lord Jesus Christ to reign everywhere, in every soul, in every manner, in every domain. For us, we want our Lord Jesus Christ to reign. He is our King. We just sang it a short while ago. Tu nobis victor rex miserere. O our victorious King, have mercy on us. May he have mercy on us and help us to be faithful to all he has given us in our holy religion, faithful to the Holy Church, faithful to the Sovereign Pontiff, successor of Peter, faithful to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, faithful to the sacraments, faithful to our faith, to our creed, faithful to the Ten Commandments, from which they want to suppress a few articles. Well, today, we promise to be faithful to what the Church has always taught us and to hand down to future generations the faith which has been handed down to us by our parents, by our priests, by the Church for 20 centuries. We shall ask this from the Blessed Virgin Mary, Virgo Fidelis, Virgin Most Faithful. She was faithful. She remained with Jesus at the foot of the cross. She did not run away. She did not abandon our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we shall ask of the Blessed Virgin that we be also with her near our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Prayer for the Hastening of the Triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary by Bishop Schneider O Immaculate Heart of Mary, Holy Mother of God and our Tender Mother, look upon the distress in which the whole of mankind is living due to the spread of materialism, godlessness, and the persecution of the Catholic faith. In our own day, the mystical body of Christ is bleeding from so many wounds caused within the Church by the unpunished spread of heresies, the justification of sins against the Sixth Commandment, the seeking of the kingdom of earth rather than that of heaven, the horrendous sacrileges against the Most Holy Eucharist, especially through the practice of communion in the hand 
and the Protestant shaping of the celebration of the Holy Mass. Amidst these trials appeared the light of the consecration of Russia to thine immaculate heart by the Pope, in union with the world's bishops. In Fatima, thou didst request the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays of the month. Implore thy divine Son to grant a special grace to the Pope, that he might approve the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. May Almighty God hasten the time when Russia will convert to Catholic unity, mankind will be given a time of peace, and the Church will be granted an authentic renewal in the purity of the Catholic faith, the sacredness of divine worship, and the holiness of Christian life. O Mediatrix of all graces, O Queen of the Most Holy Rosary and our sweet Mother, turn thine eyes of mercy towards us and graciously hear this, our trusting prayer. Amen. Prayer to St. Joseph for a Soul in Purgatory by Father Calloway. St. Joseph, reigning in heaven with Jesus and Mary, intercede for the souls in purgatory. Today, in particular, I ask you to turn your gaze to the soul who is most forgotten in purgatory. This soul longs to see the face of God, O good Father. Ask the Holy Trinity to take this soul to the glory of heaven today. Remember me, St. Joseph, when I die. I beg you to be prompt in delivering me from purgatory so that I can see you, Jesus, and Mary face to face. Amen. Rigo potens, ora pro nobis, sancti osef, terra daimonem, ora pro nobis, in nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Thank you very kindly, my friends, for listening to episode 162 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. Once again, my name is Terence M. Stanton. Have a very happy Easter. Please share this podcast with everyone you know and pray for the eternal salvation of the Supreme Pontiff of the Universal Church, Francis. Goodbye and God love you.